Welcome to the ASHP Advantage Podcast, engaging the experts on ASHP Official, featuring conversations with top-level practitioners about the latest issues in pharmacy and healthcare. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining for this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what's currently top on the mind of some of the pharmacies around the world. My name is Chris Rosinka. I'm the Senior Director of Operations at Johns Hopkins Home and Community-Based Pharmacy Services in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, I'll be chatting with Tim Weber about our experiences with implementing central fill in a health system. Tim is the System Executive Director of Pharmacy at UNC Health in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. This podcast is a follow-up to the webinar that was entitled Freeing the Pharmacist from Dispensing to Expand the Patient Care Role. It's time to, is it time to consider central fill? The talking points for today's podcast reflect questions that the audience had during that webinar. Our first question today, Tim, is what were your key objectives when it came to integrating central fill into your business? Yeah, Chris, there's a there's a host of them, right? We talked about a lot of them during the presentation. Um, you know, a couple that come to mind that are probably worth uh, re- rediscussing again are the capacity barriers, right? Really using central fill as a way to overcome capacity, whether it be physical capacity or staff capacity, just finding ways uh, to, ex- to extend your pharmacy's reach. You know, there, there's an opportunity there for mail order. We talked about that. There's an opportunity there to expand your business using mail order capabilities that Centrafil can provide. And then in situations like we've experienced the last two years with COVID, really giving you that opportunity to reach your patient um, without having to have them come into to, to the pharmacy and put your staff and themselves at risk for infection. You know, there, there's always a cost component to this. The cost per fill is lower using robotics and, and uh, economies of scale that a central fill can provide. So that is a, that's where the ROI is coming from, obviously, is lower, lowering your costs uh, in addition to all of the other um, kind of soft benefits, so to speak, but uh, lowering costs, that cost per fill, very, very important. You know, one, one of the things I didn't really touch on in the presentation, so to speak, but another interesting thing is even within... You know, we focused a lot on the retail component of central fill, but a lot of the health systems are using central fill modeling for co-trade replenishment. And uh, it's a similar process for co-trade replenishment in the central facility. And that, answer, yeah, that puts in RFID technology into place. And so an opportunity to kind of centralize the use of and use RFID technology to track trays across your system and hospitals and then centralize that replenishment at a central facility. Uh, so a different take on central fill from the retail one, which we focused on in the presentation, but a, a really good opportunity to kind of use technology to kind of streamline that process a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I echo a lot of those sentiments. I think we were going down a path with much similar with the volume. Generally, pharmacies in the health system or in the hospital settings are, are landlocked often and aren't able to continue to expand to meet the needs. And Utilizing something like central fill can really pull some of that volume out and allow your stores sites themselves to focus on the care of the patient rather than on those distributive functions of the pharmacy practice. And that really allows you to go up front and talk to patients, counsel more, uh, do more MTM services, immunizations, et cetera, that that are uh, a little bit more clinically uh, focused and allow for some of that as well. And so I think you're spot on there. And then you add in some of the safety features, the RFID, you mentioned barcode scanning. So many different processes like that that try to take some of that human factor out. I think we can really make a nice difference in not just cost, but in safety and quality as well for the patients. And then then add in the clinical impact of being able to talk to patients directly really does make for some nice advantages to consider the central fill. Now, you did mention, of course, the one big one is there's cost to this. 
Yeah. Now, you know, cost per film may decrease, but that upfront capital expenditure is certainly rather high with some of the technology. But again, using that ROI, looking at some of the other options, I think can, can make it uh, seem far more feasible. Yeah, absolutely agree. Hey, uh, Chris, the uh, next question that we had was, uh, what, is your, what are some considerations that you uh, took into account for the build out and proximity uh, of the central field to your health system pharmacies? Sure. Well, we were very lucky with timing that our health system was building a very, a very large warehousing space uh, down the road, kind of between our two large academic medical centers. So not really on campus, but kind of giving us a big blank canvas to work with uh, to build our site. And so we got about a 10,000 square foot warehouse blank space in one part of our big consolidated service center to, to decide what we wanted to do with for the central fill project. And so we had just a large open, I went in there the first time and I felt like I should be throwing a football around. It was so large a space. And that gave us uh, an opportunity to build it how we wanted. And some things you got to keep in mind, of course, with this is you're going to need emergency power. So you've got to have a very large generator outside or as part of the building. You need to have space for air compressors. And air compressors at a, at a large volume, such as go through central fill, often have a large, vo- a large sound to them. And so trying to decide whether that can be outside or inside or where you can put it and how you can soundproof it, because they do get very, uh, very noisy pretty quickly. You've got a lot of refrigerators, freezers that you may need, and then you can decide on options for that. You know, some groups that go with the big walk-in type of refrigerators or freezers, because you do get a more efficient use of space. However, then you have one freezer, and if something goes wrong with that one freezer, you don't have another place to put it. So I've seen other health systems go with large banks of refrigerators and freezers, which is what we have done just for redundancy purposes, ability to move things around, uh, but it does cut into your actual usable space. So there's advantages, disadvantages to that as well. Uh, deciding whether you want to put controlled substances in your central fill site. Uh, we did not go down that path just for the added logistics and complexity to it. However, if you do, you need to build in some form of secured area in the central fill that maybe the conveyor system is going through a caged area so that you can really control those medications, which again, adds some more complexity to it all. Uh, we had, with it being a warehouse, there was a huge loading dock right out of the back of the pharmacy, which also gave us some opportunity to be able to receive and send some of our supplies and medications that might be worth keeping in, in mind and in consideration. However, the loading dock had to be outside of the pharmacy because you can't just have a giant sliding door as part of your pharmacy because you need to consider all of the security and some of that goes along with, uh, you know, with having a, a pharmacy and a warehousing space. And then, Tim, you mentioned proximity to the health system. Uh, deciding how far you want to spread this out, uh, how central, how hub and spoke you want to make your central fill site because you're going to pay courier costs or mechanisms to get these meds back out to the pharmacies. And if all of your pharmacies are contained in one small geographic area, that may be a no-brainer, maybe very easy decisions. But if you're spread out across the better part of a state, as some of our large health systems are, uh, getting the meds there a time a day, several times a day, can really add some some cost to to the service model when you're when you're considering those courier fees, as well as just difficulty and timeliness and inclement weather and and dealing with some of those. If you're planning on getting multiple trips back to the store, if you're doing one time a day, maybe it's not as big a deal or you're not sending anything back and you're only doing a mail order process, those those sort of go away a little bit. But we have not included all of our pharmacies for that reason. Some are just too far away and it makes the logistics of it a little bit too rough. Uh, I think another one to consider is downtime procedures. What are you going to do if you do have some downtime? And I think in the webinar, we talked a little bit about some of our staff members really going through a lot of training 
and uh, almost becoming engineers themselves in troubleshooting some of the problems and concerns and difficulties. And anything with technology is always going to have sometimes when it's not going to function, being able to troubleshoot that on site, having someone who is able to dedicate some time to doing that uh, by themselves or with telephone guidance or virtual guidance. And then, of course, having a company willing and able to come on site is that sort of next level tier to try to fix those to minimize your downtime. Uh, when we have downtime, we do have in our processes, of course, to just shut off the transfer of prescriptions to Central Fill so that the computer system would then not allow it to move over to Central Fill so it would stay at the store. Now, of course, the volume is felt at the store when those times do occur. So the point is trying to get it uh, back up and running as quickly as possible uh, to do that. And if the meds are already in process, sometimes that creates a little bit more challenge if it's actually on the conveyor belt sitting there filled, going down the, going down the system, and now the system goes down. Uh, often we'll have to pull it back from the computer system to the store locations, which adds some more steps to it. And then we've got to, of course, have the computer will flag that fill to make sure that it doesn't get dispensed twice. So again, working through some of the technology to make sure that you have those in place. There's several layers of, of doing those. Yeah, I'll echo everything you just said. Um, all those are very important considerations. I, we had a similar experience. Our, you know, our experience was several years ago. So um, yours is a little more timely, but we had a similar situation with trying to find where do you put this? And so we already had a centralized service center. You know, it's, it was equidistance between the academic medical center and the large community hospital that kind of are the bookends of our health system. And so we chose you know, to add it on to this existing health center, but that also mean I didn't, this is a service center, but that means I didn't have, you know, a blank canvas, so to speak. I had a much smaller footprint to kind of work with. And so I think one of the, one of the things I would, tell everybody to consider is what does that growth look like, right? You're, you're here now. What are you going to look like when you're here five to 10 years out? And so that you, you don't run into space. And then now you're looking for a new building just for your central fill pharmacy, which then it's going to add even more costs and make that ROI a little harder to achieve over time. So. Yeah, I think that's actually, that's very true. Tim, uh, being able to have scalability in there. I think again, with our blank canvas, our large space, we were able to plan for if we wanted to go down the path of an additional pod or another, another version of robot or an expansion capability within there to be able to do that. And now we're even looking at a script package that we might be able to add into the central fill and integrate with it. Having the space to do that, we're in a good place with that versus had we tried to fit it into you know, a back corner of the hospital could certainly be a challenge. So again, things to keep in mind if you're implementing and planning some of these processes of where will it go and how can you make it all happen? So thank you for the, for the additional thought there that, that spurred to mind. Question number three back for you, Tim, is... Uh, how are the reactions to your staff as you implemented this? And I would say even all three phases, sort of the pre-implementation when you're talking to them about, yeah. hey, we might be doing this, to while you're implementing, and then, of course, after you're done. Yeah, we talked about a little bit of this in the webinar, too. I, uh, it's, just a, it's always a tricky situation to kind of talk through, right? You want to make sure you deliver the message clearly, clearly to the staff so they understand what's coming. And there's always that, you know, pre-implementation, we're talking about doing this, and everybody they listen, but they don't fully listen because it's not here. It's not tangible. They don't co completely understand it. So you have to spend a lot of time educating what this is, what this will mean to them, involving them in the workflow changes that are you're planning for. You're going to get a lot of questions about what is this going to do to myself? What is it going to do to my staff? You get that natural, oh my God moment. Like there's going to be a lot of changes coming to my workflow. I may not have as many technician hours. What does it mean for my team? And so there's a lot of education, a lot of talking through, being clear and concise and, and intentional with the communication that you put out. 
During implementation, there are going to be hiccups. Every major project has them. This is no different. And so being able to manage, doing change control and manage that change for you and your staff, uh, really not overreacting to, to issues as they develop and then controlling that staff uh, reaction as issues develop. And then post-implementation, kind of just really, again, talking with the team, making sure they're seeing the benefit. And if they're not seeing the benefit, help them get to where there's a benefit to them. Central Phil should benefit your staff and should take workload off, should allow them to practice at the top of their license, should provide some of that, that well-being that you're looking for within somebody being in a role in our retail pharmacies or in our uh, acute care pharmacies, if it's a Central Phil for Cotray or something like that. So just being mindful of, of monitoring for those benefits to be received. Yeah, I think you hit, you hit a big one on pre-implementation. I think the biggest question that I continued to get when we were doing this is, so if we're going to shift 30, 40% of our volume over to these outside of the stores, these other locations or this other robotic technology, what's going to happen to my staff size? I think that's exactly the number one concern from staff members. I think they're excited to see the technology and the improvements and et cetera, but it always hits home when it's the when it's staff number. And certainly in part of the ROI, you're probably going to have uh, right sizing within your pharmacies or your, or your areas. Hopefully you're able to find ways to justify keeping those staff to be able to do other services, more clinical focused, as I mentioned earlier, but maybe not all. And so there might be some of that that does actually need to happen, but pointing out the right way to do it, as well as maybe working through attrition rather than certainly not a downsizing of staff, but we have plenty of technician turnover these days, unfortunately, within our pharmacies. And I think that allows you to move some things around and do that without ever having to think about the loss of actual people, only the loss of FTE positions. And uh, and so I think that's a good way to work through some of those. Post-implementation, I think we still have some right-sizing that we've done. Some of our locations are moving more volume to Central Fill because they're heavier on sort of the retail look versus some of our other pharmacies that are moving much less volume because they're sort of in the right in the middle of the acute care. They're doing the discharges of, of locations or people leaving ED, et cetera. So they might not have moved as much. So then maybe, again, playing with it because you don't know until you know. Uh, which things are really going to happen. And I think that's changed uh, as we've gone through implementation processes and sort of seeing those a little bit differently. And and certainly when you really think about it, that 30 to 40% of volume it might move, well, it's not entirely moving. As in you can't cut 30 to 40%, you know, finance will tell you otherwise, but that's not really the way it works because some of those scripts come back on site. And then you've got to help, you still have to do the, you know, putting it on your shelf and getting it to the patient and doing that, that point of sale system operation as well as setting up mail order, which does take longer than being able to just hand it out to a patient. So sometimes, so it's not exactly a, a one for one in that percentage move. Uh, I need to keep that in mind as well out of uh, some of our experiences. And Tim, I think we only have a couple minutes left, but maybe we can ask that last question of the, what would you do differently? Yeah, you know, our implementation was several years ago. So I, I think the one thing I would, I would do differently is uh, not combine ourselves to that small footprint at the at the existing shared service center. I think we we realize you know we're in the process now of trying to find new space, right? And so we've outgrown that space, and and so that you know that now you're talking about business disruption and additional costs and things that we didn't plan for originally that we you know in hindsight probably should have. So how about you? Your, your uh, experience is a little more recent, so there might be some more tangible. Yeah, a little more recent. I definitely think having that scalability planned in and having the opportunity, yeah. uh, I think was something that we did well with planning that I would totally advise to anyone who is moving down that path to think about. Exactly to your point, Tim, you run out of space very quickly. You run out of power very quickly. You run out of data yeah. ports very quickly. 
Uh, all of those are things that you can never have enough of. The number of refrigerators, you're never going to need less. That's I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say that in a uh, in an actual meeting. So I think those are a good opportunities as well to have um, working through wh where the servers are located, whether you're doing physical servers on site or you're doing something uh, off with a more virtual server. And then just going through the process. It's a very timely process, as I, I think I outlined in the webinar, that it can be years worth of time for implementing something like this. And, and so some of those red line and legal documents took a very long time to get through. Uh, but again, everyone's trying to protect themselves and their organizations and the patients that they take care of. I think those are all positives. Staffing-wise, I think I would, I would love to have had more staff, I think, from the get-go in the location. I think we went with some of those minimalistic numbers of, but well, we can we can move 30% of the volume, but only move five FTEs over. And I think we're now up to more of like the 10 or 11 uh, because it's the right size and it needed to happen in that location because you got to pull over that volume. So I think uh, being open to some of those ideas of expansion within uh, the location as well, uh, not just in the volume, but in the actual needs of what, what gets done there, I think is something that we've learned uh, over the time. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. So I want to thank my colleague, Tim Weber, for joining today to discuss the ins and outs of implementing central fill in a health system. And if you haven't done this before, I encourage you to check out all of ASHP's online resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings, such as the Preceptor Toolkit, Research Resource Center, Clinical Pharmacy Resources, and a lot more. And thanks again for joining us, the episode of Hot Topics in Pharmacy, and we hope everyone enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcasts for more great content. And thank you all. Thanks for joining us for the ASHP Advantage podcast, Engaging the Experts. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time for more expert perspectives on ASHP Official.